Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Welcome back to all of you out there in the world of scale modeling. This is your host, Mike. Dave and I are glad to have you joining us again. We sure hope your modeling mojo is running strong. The summer is trying to chip away at ours, but we're still getting along okay. Tonight, Dave and I will talk a bit about the various contest judging formats in our special segment. So let's get on with episode 17 of Plastic Model Mojo. All right, Dave, we're back again. Yep. Yep. How are you doing? Oh, well... It's pretty dang hot. That's the truth. So, uh, speaking of hot, what uh, what modeling fluid are you sipping on to to cool yourself off? Well, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. I'm, I'm working on a 16 ounce uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon Tallboy tonight. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> I could have. I could have lied. <laughs> well, you could have, but well, you know, hey. Listen, sometimes when it is hot, as hot as it's been around here lately, any cold beer is is worth having around. I'll tell you what. So, so how are you enjoying that PBR? It's serving its purpose. It's not that. It's not. It's not so terrible. There's worse beers. Not many, but yeah, absolutely. Hey, try Sterling in a can. That was a. It was a beer that tasted like the aluminum can. What about you? Well, um, I'm actually uh, drinking another Three Floyds brew. You know, those people, we ought to contact them. They ought to sponsor us. Um, the, yeah, maybe. The, they make a double IPA called uh, War Mullet, which <laughs> you got to love the name alone. They're, they're, they've got some inventive names for their beer. Normally, I would not like a double IPA. Although I have recently been drinking New Belgium's Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA and enjoying it. So I've, I've liked almost everything Three Floyds has produced. And so I thought, saw this at the, at the store, said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And while it's probably not my favorite Three Floyds brew, it is eminently drinkable. It's really for a double IPA, which again is not my normal wheelhouse, not bad at all. Uh, it'll get me through the episode, that's for sure. And beyond, if it's a double. Mm hmm. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> well, we've got a bountiful mailbag this week. All right. Got a few, few familiar, I'd say familiar faces, but we're, uh, we're not on television. Yeah. Timothy Young's back from uh, West Yorkshire, UK, and he's got a couple of pet peeves to add to our list. I love pet peeves. Preach them. <laughs> um, he says that he mostly builds 1 to 144 scale airplanes, mm -hmm. and a lot of these come two, if not four to the box. And while they may have multiple schemes in the kit, uh, there's never enough decals to do all but maybe one combination of the two or four models, right? Uh-huh. Hmm. So he, he he doesn't like that. So I guess, you know, if you wanted to, if you got a box of... Some 144 uh, scale decals, I, I, I don't know if there's after, you know, I haven't paid much attention other than airliners. I don't know if there's a lot of 144th scale aftermarket decals being produced. Yeah, and I think his peeve is there's, Never enough to do like two of one scheme and two of a different scheme. You either got to right. do one of you got to do one of each or whatever. And uh, there's no way to know till you open the kit. <laughs> you know what? The, the funny thing is, I can almost remember the last kit where I used the kit decals. It was an Airfix Spitfire 19. Um, and that was probably four or five years ago, maybe a little farther back. Uh, I I don't often use the kit decals 
which is probably one of the reasons why I have like five or 600 decal sheets uh, tucked away in the, in the model vault. He also says that uh, there's not a lot being provided by some of the manufacturers in terms of, you know, they'll offer part of something, but not the whole thing. Uh, examples are mini arts, 35th scale uh, modern street cafe, but there's no contemporary figures to go along with it. Oh, you know, I hadn't thought, well, maybe they'll get around to it because Lord knows many art's been producing big time. Yeah, I think that one might be a, a safe wait. And then the other ones, like you can buy all these 25th scale tools and garage stuff for uh, the automobiles. There's not many garage crew or mechanic figures out there. Didn't It's not my area. I didn't think about that. But uh, sounds like a niche that some resin figure manufacturer ought to dive into. And he's got a PS here. This modeling fluid is often red wine, and we usually do go by the label when we choose it. <laughs> All right. I think that's in uh, response to my cheap cheap booze and fancy bottles comments. And all that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, one of the reasons I'm drinking this beer is, how can I resist the name War Mullet? I don't know, man. Just... <laughs> Don't get it. Don't get a war mullet. I, I promise I won't. <laughs> uh, next, we've got another man of the cloth listening. That's at least two that we know of now. Yeah. Uh, f- I think I got this right. Father Deacon Raphael Shelton from Norris, Tennessee. So he's a East Tennessee guy. Norris is uh, a little north of Knoxville. He was asking, um, he's gotten into scratch building and kit bashing some and He's been using like poster putty and masking tape to temp- temporarily hold things together while he's sizing it up or checking fit and stuff. And he was asking if there was some kind of glue or something else he could use to hold stuff together uh, while he's working on it. And, you know, I, I used Tamiya tape for that. And a lot of the, a lot of the quick build reviews, uh, the, the quick build reviews on uh, the modeling news are often done the same way. Like they, they completely built up, uh, I think it was ICM's JU88 and 48 scale using, uh, using Tamiya tape. Yeah. Just strips of it. Yeah. Do you know another better way to do it or? Well, that's, I do it normally the same way as you do, uh, with the Tamiya tape, but you actually can use one of the white glues like, uh, uh, either Elmer's white glue or, uh, like Formula 560, what they call canopy glue, or uh, the product out of, from Deluxe Materials out of the UK called Glue and Glaze. You know, it's white glue. It's basically white glue. It's not as strong as like gator glue. So you can actually glue it together and then pop it apart. Now, obviously, you'd want to clean off those surfaces before you actually use you know, Tamiya glue or whatever to, to put it back together. But yeah, white glue works well as a temporary way to assemble stuff if you need to do it to check something. And I guess it just peels off when you're done after you've separated the parts. Right. Or, yeah. or wor- worse comes to worse, you take a, a, a paper towel with a little water on it, you wipe off any residue. I've actually done that once or twice when I've needed to attach a piece temporarily for some other construction reason. I've never done it just to put everything together to see how it looks. Next, we have uh, Tom Gleckley from Boise, Idaho. He, uh, well, he says, you lament the inability to brush to me a paint. I think I've uh, mentioned that as well. And oh, yeah. he says, that, he says the key to success is to me as paint retarder. Now we've, we've mentioned that once before, cause I bought some in one of my, what broke your wallet segments. I mentioned that, but uh um, my issue with that though, is I've got all these Vallejos and things and I'm, I really don't see the need for me personally to start brush painting my Tamiya's unless I would need an exact match or something. Exactly. Now he goes on, he goes on further. Um, he's actually thinning paints for airbrush Tamiya paint using like the 91 plus percent isopropyl alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never tried that. Neither have I, but I I know people who have, and people who do. Uh, just like the you know, I know some people who use the uh, uh, unicorn tears, Mister Color Leveling Thinner, and using 
use that. And I've done that. And boy, it makes to me a spray. And I still don't like acrylics, but it makes to me a spray much, much better. Well, you know, I've used the 91 plus percent to, to strip to me a paint because it can right. make it not, it can make it not paint really quick. And I, I was, I, my first thought was that it would do the same thing to uncured paint that it would just turn it into nothing, right? That would never cure or whatever, but I guess I'm wrong about that. Uh, I'll have to try that. And he, he suggested when he uses unicorn tears, as he actually uses that, that term, mm-hmm. uh, he finds it harder to clean the airbrush. Now, I don't disagree with him. Uh, I do think that if you spray almost any paint that's been thinned with uh, Mr. Color Leveling Thinner or Unicorn Tears, as we refer to it, I do think it makes the airbrush a little bit harder to clean or makes the needle a little bit sticky when you're done. Um, uh, I have gotten into the habit when I'm done airbrushing something where I used um, uh, unicorn tears that I've actually, after I spray regular thinner through it and whatever else, I'll pull the needle and wipe it down and put it back simply to try and avoid having the, the needle stick when everything's dry. Next up is, uh, Michael Libero from, I think Connecticut. He put a, put a CT in parentheses. So I think that's uh, a Connecticut. Uh, he's made good on your call to consider joining the IPMS from last episode. Yep. I saw that and, uh, I, I, I couldn't be more happy and, uh, I hope others will follow Michael's lead and, uh, go join IPMS USA. The next, next year's convention is in Las Vegas. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, it promises to be a great time. So, you know, join IPMS USA, support the organization and, and come out to the nationals. I'm telling you, if you've never been to one, there is nothing else like it. Uh, we've got Andrew Armstrong again from Centerpoint, New York. Now he's the one who was asking about uh, tools he should get. And we, in, in the last special segment, last episode, um, he was the, he's the one I, we, I mentioned the, uh, the razor saw to the JLC right. razor saw. So I guess the point of this is that, uh, he's thanking us for our suggestion and he's going to make good on it. And clearly he listened to the episode. Well, good. <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Amen. Adrian O'Donnell's writing us again, this time with a uh, book recommendation. Uh, last episode, we talked about, uh, Fillers Bocage as related to the uh, Firefly kit I just bought from Ryefields. And we were talking about Michael Vittman and that battle. And Aiden recommends the book titled Tank by Ken Tout. And Ken Tout served with the 1st Battalion of the Northamptonshire Yeomanry and took part in the battle where Whitman met his end. And the book tells the story of the battle from Tout's viewpoint as a gunner and then later as a vehicle commander after his own tank commander was injured. And uh, Aiden says he can't recommend this highly enough. It does sound like an interesting book. It does. It does. I'll have to look that up because I don't have enough books to read. Luckily, the modeling books have a lot of pictures. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Robert Perlman. uh, He also was uh, one from our last episode and he appreciated our, uh, Detailed response to his question, which is about modeling in small spaces, and he now says he's on the lookout for a machinist chest. Well, good. I think that that I really think you can't go wrong with one of those if you're if you're modeling in a limited space. All right, and finally, we've got a an email from uh, Dana Mitchie. Uh, he's in Washington State, I believe. I've talked to him before. Uh, he sent some nice pictures of a 1965 F-150 pickup for Mobius models that he's uh, using some uh, new weathering skills he he picked up uh, working on his first armor kit. So we'll have to get those up. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> his uh, modeling fluid of choice is uh, Mortimer's Cream Soda. That's fine. Got nothing against that. 
Mortimer's cream soda is non-alcoholic, but uh, let's just say it has the active ingredient from a flora that is not quite legal in the state of Kentucky yet. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's all for the listener mail. So well, send us more. Absolutely. And while you're sending us more, please go ahead and take a minute at the end of this episode when you're done listening to go in and rate us on whatever podcast app you're listening on, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, whichever app you happen to use. Uh, Just quickly stop and give us a five-star rating. Uh, It's about trying to drive the programming, the algorithm that they use to try and uh, uh, drive up the visibility of our podcast. So if you do that for us, uh, we'd appreciate it. And also, we'll take the time to mention our uh, fellow podcasting friends. We'd like to have you guys also have a listen to Scale Model Podcast, episode 51 from Stuart and Anthony up in uh, Canada. Uh, episode 51 has one of the founding members uh, from Arma Hobbies as their interview guest. Yeah. It's interesting. It's uh, he's He's in Poland, obviously, and English is... It's a little of a challenge for him, which makes listening to the to the interview you have to you have to pay attention, but it's really interesting. So I recommend that. And then also on the bench, episode eighty nine. We'll get that right this time. So episode <laughs> eighty nine from uh, Dave, Ian, and Julian, and they have an interesting topic this episode: what they would not build. And if you listen to Dave, I agree with him completely on what not to build. He and I are of similar minds. I really enjoyed that episode. You're both named Dave, too. Yeah, well, that helps, too. Well, you know what time it is now. Yeah, it's time to go to Vegas. Yeah, countdown to Vegas. As of today, July 28th, for us, we are 386 days away from uh, the IPMS 2021 National Convention. I've got a fresh update from Bob Provado, and Bob again is the IPMS Las Vegas president and the 2021 national contest chairman. Since last time, the website www.natslv2021.com was launched on Wednesday, July 15th, as we, we mentioned last time. And they've already seen about 2,000 visitors since then. So that's uh, kicking along pretty good. That's good. In addition, the vendor table sales went online the same day that the website went active and out of 344 available tables they've sold about 165 of those already so they're that's an impressive yeah that's an impressive number that early i think there's a lot of a lot of pent-up demand out there i suspect vegas may be huge well it gets better um the Rio has reported to them that the room reservations have already exceeded the 1,600 room nights uh, in the first two days of uh, availability. That's fantastic. And apparently, people using the online system on the Wednesday that the website went live overwhelmed their system for a little while. <laughs> Way to go, modelers. That's right. And uh, further, uh, they recontracted for another 700 room nights and they had sold 105 of those before the contract was even inked. And they're saying it's unlikely that they'll be able to secure any more at the $89 rate that they secured for these first blocks of rooms. So if you don't have a room and you want it as cheap as you can get it, you better get on it. Absolutely. Have you ever been to the Rio, Mike? I've never been to the Rio, but I looked at it. It looks like you could stay there all weekend and never leave the leave the complex. It's no, that's absolutely true. And it's huge. All the hotels out in Vegas are huge, but the Rio is just massive. I I predict nothing but a great time. So uh, uh I can't wait. I can't wait for twenty twenty one to get here. So he's got a few other comments. He says interest in the twenty twenty one national seems very high and most have commented that they are excited that it's in Las Vegas. Uh, Many have said they've never been to Las Vegas before, and this is the perfect excuse they've been waiting for to come. Hide your model money. That's right. Uh, He also says the Las Vegas National Committee wishes to thank their respective counterparts from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and San Marcos, Texas, for their invaluable assistance so far. Uh, They had an enjoyable Zoom meeting a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they've got a meeting scheduled once a month for the next 12. On board with this meeting are several uh, IPMS USA national officers. 
and they're considering uh, the creation of a formal NatCon leaders group that would pool the resources and share challenges and successes with other IPMS chapters who are planning to host their first national convention. So a lot of steam developing behind this already. Yeah. So that's that's it for uh, Countdown to Vegas this episode. All right. Well, Mike, uh, since this podcast is about modeling, uh, tell me what's going on with your modeling mojo lately. What's your bench look like? Not a lot of bench time lately, but uh, on the E16A1 Paul, a little float plane, I've etched some more dive brakes just kind of for, uh, for the hell of it. Um, using my bubble tank with a heater in it. And that was interesting because it only took about 20% of the time it took to do it at room temperature without any kind of agitation. So that really speeded things up. Did you see an increase in quality as well as speed? In some regards, yes, but uh, I'm still seeing some artifacts from the particular printer I'm using. I think I can fix that with a, with a better print. I didn't get quite as good a transfer from the, from the get go on this one. So there are a few more I think of the of the good parts, the quality's better, but I had a few more that had uh, bad transfer. Uh, so I kind of the net was about the same as last time, but the speed was a lot faster. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, in addition, um, I've been cutting wheel mass for the Morris tractor. Uh, now that I've got the circle cutter figured out like I want it figured out. Um, <laughs> after you, after you <laughs> harassed me on the Facebook page about my. Uh, uh, over overthinking things sometimes no, no, no you did not over you solved a problem that uh i certainly saw with the with that circle cutter and uh being more math minded than myself you did all the heavy lifting and i got the benefit from it since you gave us the <laughs> gave us all the uh the magic formula and now i can you know i've got a pair of digital calipers just like yours and now i can uh uh, instead of guessing and cutting and recutting, I can I can cut them right the first time, or at least uh, in theory I can. So uh, I, I, I was happy with that. Until they change uh, vendors on their bearing or something, and have to have to do it all over again. That won't that won't affect me, man. I've got you and I both have the same one. Other than that, I haven't done much. It's mm-hmm. been been kind of slow, unfortunately. What about yeah. you? Well, uh, I'm I'm in a similar bind. Uh, uh, the last two weeks since our last episode, I have not been super productive. Uh, combination of, obviously it's summer here, so spending more time in the yard, working in the working in the yard, or working to, uh, to maintain the pool. Uh, I love having a pool, but let me tell you, it is a lot of maintenance. But I have gotten a little bench time. Uh, the as I think I mentioned uh, last episode on the Bibber, the little uh, one-man su- German submarine uh, in 72nd scale, I decided to go, I wanted to try some new things. I wanted to push myself particularly on the weathering and painting uh, areas. So I'm kind of, I kind of went super high contrast with it to to just try some techniques and to see what I can do. Uh, but I got the shadows and highlights painted. Then I went back and uh, uh, dusted very lightly with the original base coat to kind of blend them together. Um, this, uh, this M30, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. But frankly, I'll be honest with you, I did not realize how many tiny parts were in this darn gun. Um, you know, people, people say, how do you, how do you build 72nd scale? It's all so small, etc." I got news for you. There are more small fiddly parts on the, um, the breech area of this, uh, M30 than there are on any 72nd scale model I've built recently. So, which just proves my theory that really scale is almost irrelevant when it comes to tiny parts, because the bigger the scale, the more tiny detail parts they put in and you end up handling parts the same size, no matter what scale you're building in. But the, uh, the main breach area mechanism is now 
almost complete. And uh, I'm going to be moving on. I also ended up uh, 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 attending, as I mentioned previously, Brett Avant's uh, uh, painting class that he came and was kind enough to do for uh, about 12 members of the Military Modelers Club of Louisville here. And I'll tell you, I learned a lot. Uh, he was teaching painting figure busts with acrylics. I learned a whole lot. Uh, I'm going, I'm not sure. Well, I, well, first thing I learned is I will never be an award-winning figure painter, figure painter um, uh, due to my essential tremor and, and uh, poor eyesight. I probably will never have the skill to uh, really produce a, an award-winning uh, bust or figure, but it's enjoyable. It really, I think it makes you more sensitive to color um, and more aware of color and, and what shade, what makes a shade and stuff like that. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And uh, Brett's a very, very nice person. And uh, he said he's open to doing an interview on a podcast down the road. So we may interview him. Uh, and uh, because he's in the industry, it's kind of, uh, we kind of get some peek behind the curtain. So I, I, I'm looking forward to doing that. But uh, I really enjoyed that class. The, the one downside I will say is we started at 7.30 in the morning and went till 5.30 in the afternoon. And while I love modeling, I don't know about you, but I tend to model in stretches of an hour or an hour and a half and modeling that long, that straight, it was actually pretty exhausting. I had a great time and I learned a lot. And that's, per that's pretty much what's uh, been on my bench lately. We'll have to talk about that more later and see what, uh, see what you got out of it. All right. Happy to. All right. So, uh, Mike, uh, have you been watching what's been released? What's coming out new? Do you have anything that's turned your head? Oh, yeah. So tell me about them. Well, I think my favorite since we've done this segment last is uh, Tamiya snuck a Martyr 1 Panzerjäger in under the radar. Now, did they previously do that, kid? Is this a redo? or is No. Um, you know... I used I had the old ADV Azimut kit from long ago from their old Ironsides line and uh, sold it not too long ago actually. Uh, I've got the newish kit from Panda Models and it's that kit's recent enough that I my first thought that the Tamiya kit was just a, a rebox of that, but it's not. Um, that kit's not bad, but it's got a few things I didn't like about it, and I don't know. I, I'm really I'm really gonna I'm gonna get this one for sure. I've got a, a couple of pictures of the same vehicle in Normandy. Most of these were used in, in Normandy. Heck, all of them may have been. Uh, I don't really know, but... Uh, Was that 21st Panzer? or I I can't remember off the top of my head. It may have been. But I, I've got pictures of ones that has a really, really dense, densely painted camouflage pattern on it as far as um, really tight, small squiggles and, you know, it's the three-color three color scheme, but it's a, would be an interesting model. And, uh, I think one of the, uh, Panzers in some more books from way back has got uh, a nice photo essay of this vehicle in their collection. So, um, I'm really anxious to get my hands on this one. You got one, you got a fave. Well, well actually uh, it's not a single, but it's kind of a group and it's kind of stepping into your territory. Uh, I don't mean to, I don't mean to step over the line, but I like all of the T-34s that we're suddenly seeing this year. Uh, for me, as far as tanks go, I think the T-34 is one of the more attractive tanks out there, particularly uh, weathering-wise. There's so much, you know, the, the Russian vehicles were so used and abused. There's so much you can do with it, with weathering. There's lots of great markings variations. Uh, heck, there's a lot of great variations 
among the manufacturing factories and what they chose to do. And it seems like suddenly we're in the year of the T-34. I think that's pretty great. I'm happy to see, you know, we're not in a situation where the old Tamiya T-34 was the, the, the kit that you got and maybe some resin aftermarket to do a couple of, uh, a, a couple of conversions. We're seeing modern slide molded, really amazing kits being released. And I, I got to say, even though 35th scale armor is not my, as Austin Powers would say, is not my bag, baby. I, I'm I'm happy to see it. Well, I am too. And there's a couple I've got my eyes on. So I'll probably add a couple to the stack. Color me surprised. Kind of along that same vein. I'm also liking this uh, Panzer III Alps N from Tacom. Uh, that's probably my favorite Panzer III. It's kind of the, the last one. It's the one with the short barreled 75 millimeter gun on it that was primarily uh, created to support the Tiger Tank companies. But but in general, beyond that, there's two or three companies releasing Panzer III's, Panzer IVs, and, and Sturmgeschutz just all over the place. Um, and luckily, I'm not uh, heavily stashed in, in these vehicles, believe it or not. Um, I've got a, quite a few Sturmgeschutz, but not the Panzer IIs or threes. And so I'm kind of glad I gave Dragon the skip on these to the large degree. A lot of their early Panzer III kits were kind of rehashed and modified of the old Gunzi Sanyo kits that came out prior. It's just Dragon's got a choice to make here soon. You mean as far as getting with the program or getting left behind? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Maybe too late already. Mm Mm-hmm. You got anything that's making you yawn? Well, no, I got another fave though. Uh, uh, okay, it's actually cr- all credit to our friends up up in the Great White North in America's Hat. Our our Canadian brethren, in their interview with Arma, uh, the uh, Arma representative, managed to tease out a piece of news, and that news was that Arma's got going to release a forty eight scale. Hawker Hurricane. Now, uh, Airfix released a, a, a 48 scale Hawker Hurricane, and it's a it's a very nice kit, a fairly recent vintage. So you know it's it's uh, it's it's not old technology or anything. But given the beautiful Hurricane that Arma has released in 72nd scale, I can't imagine that they're not going to. Uh, be able to produce a really beautiful 48 scale hurricane. And I think that's great. I think it's great for Arma. I think they'll sell the bejesus out of it. I think it's great for 48 scale modelers. And and I'm happy for them that they're going to uh, have another 48 scale hurricane, have more choices. And, uh, you know, Everybody, even though it's not something I'm personally going to build, it's, you know, all of our bounties increase and, and you, you can't not like that. Is that all your faves? That, well, actually, I do have one more fave. I don't have a yawn this time, but I do have one more fave. And that is, I don't know that I've mentioned this previously. And if I have, forgive me, uh, memory and modeling fluid fail me. But fine molds is teasing us with uh, pictures of an upcoming 72nd scale uh, F4EJ, which is the Japanese. The Japanese use the, the Phantom a lot. Uh, in fact, they just just finished retiring them within the last year or so. And this the, the shots they're showing us uh, teasing this kit are just gorgeous. And I I can't wait to see it. My suspicion is that it's going to be immediately the best F4E in 72nd scale out there. Um, there are a lot of beautiful Japanese schemes for it, but I suspect you'll also to be able to, to build it on a, in a straight 
uh, e-version, so you'll be able to do a lot of U.S. Vietnam aircraft and a lot of other aircraft from other air forces. So, you know, everything's coming up roses. I, I'm, I'm happy as can be and can't wait to see that as well. So uh, why don't you why don't you be the Debbie Downer and give us a yawn? Suyata, one thirty fifth scale soldiers and vehicles in abstract. Uh, now this this company, uh, they made recently an egg or tune version of a, a Fokker DR one and the Titanic. And as far as uh, caric- caricature models go, they're kind of the the top of the line. Um, but they've released this series of posable abstract figures in one thirty fifth scale. There's some German ones and some American ones. Didn't the Benchers mention this in their last yes, episode? In, in their new "What's right. New in the Modeling World" segment, they didn't offer commentary though. Right. So you dish <laughs> go go, brother. The box art for these kits is. Uh, homage to the early Tamiya sets, equivalent sets from their military miniatures series. I don't know if you remember these toys, but they kind of remind me of Micronauts. <laughs> yes, I remember those. Which were uh, from Mego Toy Company back in the 70s. They're licensed from some Japanese line, and they're just little crappy action figures. Anyway, I don't know. This one's more than a yawn, really. To be honest, for me, this is a full-on Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. (laughs) Now, this is, of course, the opinion of a World War II-leaning historical modeler. So, I say that. Sure. But I will will be curious to see how these are utilized, particularly with the sci-fi and kit-bashing crowd, because it looks like they make some really cool cyborgs and... uh, terminator type things you know yeah along that lines i I just don't understand where they're coming from with this so time will tell yep i wish them luck (laughs) don't we all not for me we have made it to our special segment for the episode and this episode we're going to talk a little bit about uh show or contest judging or awards formats now this topic was inspired uh, for me by a thread that appeared on the IPMS USA Facebook page. A member had expressed some uh, disappointment in the national committee's response on judging formats. I guess uh, I don't know the backstory on what he was waiting on to hear feedback from, but uh, I can give you a little bit of background on that. Well, first let me do a disclaimer. Okay. And that is that, Uh, I happen to be the recruiting and retention secretary for IPMS USA. I think I've mentioned that uh, previously in a shout out. Uh, So that puts me on the IPMS USA e-board in an appointed position. However, two things. Number one, anything I say here is my own personal opinion is not, this is your standard lawyer disclaimer, is not in any way, shape, or form, the opinion of anyone at IPMS USA, this is just me talking. Number two. Aren't you supposed to say that really fast like they do on the radio? Well, I slowed it down. We're talking to modelers here. Uh, number, Number two is that, and what most people don't realize, is that the IPMS eBoard has very little input on the judging, the judging is controlled by the national contest committee. So they are the ones who make decisions and uh, do everything to control every aspect of the contest, particularly the competition portion of that contest. So even though I'm on the e-board, I'm not at all associated with the NCC. Again, all a way of telling you that everything that follows is just me talking, nothing more than that. The controversy that that you're referencing is actually at the Chattanooga contest, they, they did a poll of all the people who were entering 
to say, would you rather see, would you rather, do you prefer the standard one, two, three, what, what you might refer to as a closed system, or do you prefer the, what's referred to as gold, silver, bronze, or open system where, um, uh, in which you see out of figure modelers or figure mostly in, or a lot of figure contests. And uh, if you don't mind, Mike, I'll give a two minute primer on what each of those things is. Well, let's, let's back up just a second okay. and we'll get to that. Um, back to this post on Facebook, just to kind of frame this uh, after, after this, this member posted um their opinions about the response from the, uh, from the organization, uh, within about, about eight hours, this thread had over 300 responses. So it was a hot topic. It is. And generally it was civil, but to a varying degree, I mean, it's the internet after all, right? Yeah. Prior to that post, um, our friends at the other podcasts have discussed it a little bit. I know, on the bench had a IPMS versus amps kind of judging conversation. And uh, Stuart and Anthony have, uh, have talked about it a bit back and forth. Um, and I thought just given our mutual experiences with the uh, military modelers club of Louisville, uh, IPMS nationals and amps nationals, uh, we might just have a conversation about it. I think that's a, uh, it'll be a profitable discussion. Um, let me lay out for anybody who doesn't happen to know, and I can't imagine there anybody that isn't or doesn't, but there may be some out there. There are basically, in general, two types of contests, two types of judging systems. One is referred to as either a closed or one, two, three system. The other is referred to as either an open or a gold, silver, bronze system. In a closed or one, two, three system, there are categories preset, although sometimes there are splits when there are a lot of models entered in a particular category. And in each category, there will be a first, a second, and a third, no matter what, unless, of course, there aren't three models in a particular category. One, two, and three. The models are judged against each other to determine which model is the best, comes in first in the category, which comes in second, and which comes in third out of all of the models in that particular category. And uh, model is compared to model. In a gold, silver, bronze, sometimes known as the AMP system or open system, there may be categories simply for organizational purposes on the table, but in reality, there aren't really categories. Every model is judged against the theoretical perfect version of that model. Uh, so every model is examined, and if a model... Uh, meets a certain standard, it gets a gold. If it meets another standard, it gets a silver. If it meets another standard, it gets a bronze. and Or it gets nothing if it doesn't meet any of those other three standards. So in a open or amp system, it is possible to have a category where no model receives a gold award if no model is up to the gold award standard. Um, did you, Mike, have you ever seen the movie, uh, the seventh, uh, the, the Magnificent Seven, the original one? Yes. Okay. Do you remember James Coburn's character? Yes. James Coburn's character, there's an interplay between Yul Brenner and the uh, uh, person from the village who's come to help recruit these seven people to uh, come defend the village. And one of the people Yul Brenner seeks out is, is James Coburn. And James Coburn tells the, the, the Mexican villager with a knife or a gun, James Coburn's character is the best character or best 
at all. The villager asks Yule Brenner and says, well, if he's the best, who does he compete with? And Yule Brenner responds, he competes with himself. And that's kind of a good encapsulation of the difference between one, two, three, or closed system, or GSB or open system. In a, in a closed or one, two, three system, you're competing with the other entries on the table that day. You're competing against other, other modelers, other people. In an open system, uh, a GSB or gold, silver, bronze system, you're competing against yourself. You're, you're competing against trying to build the perfect version. Your model isn't compared to any other model on the table. And one, two, three systems, you're competing against the other modelers who showed up that day with their modelers. You're competing against their modelers or their models, whereas an open system, you're competing with the hypothetical perfect version of the model that you brought and built that you built and brought. So in essence, those are the two. The way the two systems work, the two different philosophies, um, just as a just as a primer for anybody out there who doesn't know what we're talking about. The opener of the GSB format sometimes it's against the, the perfect standard, but you know, some, right. a lot of times there may be a scoring rubric or set of guidelines. Right, that's that rubric is what is used to evaluate how close to the perfect version of that model you got. Now, I, to be honest, I, I've done plenty of IPMS shows as a contestant and as judge, chief judge at our, our show for a number of years. Um, and I've been to amps yeah, numerous times, you included. Uh, we've been on several, several of those trips. I, to be honest, I don't know how much thought I've really given this as far as it, you know, being a preference or, a, you know, or, or even to say a controversy, um, I hope it's not that, but um, I, I guess I kind of know what I'm getting into when I go and that kind of sets my expectations. But um, one thing I would say uh, is that the, the two, in, in my mind, in my opinion, the, the two different systems um, kind of set up a, a comparison between uh, a sport and an art form. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the the one two three s- system kind of relegates the show to a contest or a sport, and it it is it's it's who wins on any given day. In one sense, it it harkens me back to um, my my foot racing days back in the nineties and early two thousands. I ran lots of foot races as an avid runner, uh, much more so than I am now. But it, but anyway, my point being that. I could run a foot race of five or 10 K in one of the communities around here and, and have time X win first, second or third in my age group or however they split it out. And then I could go to a different community two weeks from then and run within, you know, a second or two of the same time and not place at all. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, it's who wins on any given day. And, um, one example of of where it kind of kind of got difficult one time is um is is one of the last is one of the last MMCL shows we had out at Paraquette Springs Convention Center. Um, I think I was chief judge. I, I was, and yep. there was a gentleman who had a. It was right when those seventy second scale submarines were coming onto the market and being built as some of the first first built examples were starting to show up at shows. So this is like 2004 or five, I think. And uh, anyway, a, a contestant in our show had entered, uh, I don't, I can't remember who makes it, but it was the U S submarine in 70. Oh, the U S submarine. The Gato is, um, the Ravel kit. Yeah. I think it, the Gato is the Ravel kit. I know the German subs are Ravel kits, but, but anyway, he placed, second, maybe even third at, at our show, but had placed first at a contest prior to that. And he was, 
he was decent about it, but he wasn't happy about it. And he was kind of questioning why I could win first at one place and didn't win first again was kind of the crux of his, his argument. I kind of dished him on Randy, (laughs) but anyway, you know, that's the kind of questions that come up with that kind of thing. Um, Whereas the gold, silver, bronze, I think treats the, the media um, as an exhibition more than a contest, uh, more like an art form. Everything's judged on its own merit against either the theoretical perfection or, you know, the scoring rubric or whatever. Mike, I think you're right. That is exactly correct, that it is the difference between a sport and an art. I don't think it's any coincidence that that you saw the gold, silver, bronze, or open system develop in figure modeling and figure contests, because that is art. That's much more, I mean, any modeling is art, but figure modeling is much more art uh, as far as, you know, so much depends on the painting, not so much on the construction, uh, on the, it's more artistic in a way. So, I think that, that that analysis is exactly correct. It's the difference between sport and art. It's also the difference between competing with yourself, competing with another person and competing against yourself. Um, there are some people who really enjoy competing against other people, whether it be in running or in a karate tournament or whatever. You're competing against the other people And however it comes out on that day with those particular people determines whether you're first, second, or third. Whereas in an open system, you're you're competing more with yourself. All right. How good did I do against the rubric? And what you know, what flaws did I did I have not compared to somebody else's model? You know, they had six flaws and I had five, or they had six flaws and I had eight, but more competing against yourself to get better with what you've done, irregardless of who else showed up that day. A a couple of points that were kind of persistent in that Facebook thread were uh, the whole participation trophy argument was one. Right. And the, and then the uh n- not not feasible for a national size contest argument. Well, in regard to participation trophy, that is you can look at that two ways. Um some people who don't like an open system uh worry that what you're doing is passing out more awards to make more people happy. And that might or might not be the case, depending on how your judges, how how closely they they judge and how how tight to the rubric that they are. But by the same token, I can build the I can do a pretty bad job on a model, take it to a contest, and if I'm one of three people, only three people in that category, or in fact, I'm the only person in that category. I'm going to win a first place award with a model that if you put it in a gold, silver, bronze system, won't get any award at all in theory. So I'm not sure I buy the participation trophy that gold, silver, bronze is just an attempt to get more awards handed out. Now, I suspect at the level of a national that more awards would be handed out because you've got a ton of high quality models at a national. The level of building is much, much better at a national than it is at some local contest. So I do think it would probably result in more medals, but I don't think that's the result of, of you know, uh, giving out awards to make people feel good well i never got that vibe at amps no you know they, they gave out i you know i don't have any recollection across a category how many they gave out but um 
you know, winning a gold there on that system is, it's, it's a pretty good achievement. So yes, absolutely. It's, it's not like they're just handing them out. Absolutely. The other one that, that comes up probably more than that one is this, you know, not feasible for a Nats national size show. I'm not buying for the same reasons you don't buy the participation trophy argument. This one actually requires somebody to sit down and formulate a plan to really know if it's feasible or not. Yeah. Um, everybody points to amps and the, and the high degree of feedback you get on, on that, but you, you don't have to do it that way. That, that, no, that's right. That's a, that's a, that's a luxury that amps has based on their typical contest size. I, you know, I don't know that like Chicago figure show, if they do that, no, they don't, they don't give that level of feedback, but neither amps nor uh, Chicago figure show see the number of entries that a typical national sees. That's true. And I think, I think there is some merit to the argument, at least initially that an open system, the way amps or the Chicago figure show do it would not work at an IPMS national. There's just not that many judges familiar with that many different subjects. Remember, in AMPS, you're talking armor, okay? So everybody there is familiar with armor. At an IPMS national, you've got cars, armor, aircraft, figures, ships. So you would have to have qualified judges available from Thursday through Friday night at all times. And at least the way AMPS does it. So it would be super labor intensive. And I am not the argument at, as far as the IPMS USA national goes, the argument that I am most persuaded by not saying that, that it couldn't be done or uh, you know, the just saying that nobody has yet come up with, a proposal to overcome the idea that with that number of models, the what we think of as a classic open judging at either the Chicago Figure Show or AMPS wouldn't. It would, it would be nearly impossible to pull off that same method at an IPMS USA Nationals. Now, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be a different method of judging that achieves that same result, but we don't have that proposed yet. No, there's, there's not been a proposal to my knowledge um, that that anybody's even considered it beyond, you know, these, these kind of arguments as to why they can't do it. Um, Yeah. I'll I'll say this from, from a, a personal, you know, personal preferences and comments, it's more of a comment um, to be in alignment with their, their core mission. I feel that a gold, silver, bronze format is, is more keeping to that ideal. And that opinion is kind of rooted in statements in their own IPMS USA competition handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one line in particular that there's certainly more in there. And there's some that you would, you could argue the other way too, because it's the competition handbook. So certainly they're going to address the one, two, three aspect of a contest, but um they say our purpose is to promote the hobby of scale model building, a hobby of indi- individual achievement and sin- significant artistic content. So yeah. you, you kind of get where I'm going with that. Sure. Absolutely. I think a lot of it boils down to, you know, as you pointed out on the IPMS USA Facebook page, there were 300 comments and people vigorously asserting both positions. And I think when you really boil it down, it comes down to personalities. Different. Some people have a personality where they want to compete against others, whereas other people, particularly in modeling, they're trying, and, and this is my personal attitude as far, not has nothing to do with judging or which system to use. But with every model I build, 
I'm trying to build it a little bit better than the previous model I've built. Uh, there's an old uh, there's an old story of, uh, uh, from ancient feudal Japan where uh, a samurai sword maker would say that the goal of every sword that he made was the ability to cut the previous sword so that everyone's a little bit better than the last one. That personally is what I try and achieve with each model I build. I try and make, in addition to try, trying to do something new, I'm trying to be make the next model just a little bit better than the last model. And I think there are plenty of uh, modelers out there, because that's a very artistic idea. I think there are plenty of modelers out there who find the open system attractive because they're not into competing against other people who show up that day with their models. They're interested in competing with themselves to get better. And it's, I'm not sure that divide, they're just two different personality types and I'm not sure that divide will ever fully be conquered. I think that's true. I, I said before that I've participated in, in shows and contests with both formats, uh, knowing f- full well what I was getting into before I got there. Uh, and I, I really don't know that I have a preference. I, I don't think anything's going to change, at least not anytime soon. Right. Uh, for, for IPMS, uh, especially the national convention, but uh, you know, maybe that's okay. It's not going to keep me from entering or attending by any stretch of the imagination, right. you know, re- regardless of my opinion on, on what they, what I think they should be doing. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, don't think it really, uh, it's going to affect my participation, but it may affect well, some people's participation. I don't know. And it, you're right. It may, uh, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't affect, I, I've like you, I've com- both competed in both type systems, uh, or entered in both type systems. I've actually been, like you, chief judge for a contest run on each type system. I do think a one, two, three system probably is a little bit easier on a, on a, the, not only a chief judge, but the entire judging. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, judging team, that. just simply because the ability to winnow stuff out quickly. Yes. But it, I don't think, I mean, I've never been. Uh, whether or not what systems being used has never been determinative to me on whether I go to a contest. And I think that's because the contest to me is such a small part of a model contest. Now I love going and I love seeing other models that other people built. I, I come back from every nationals really inspired because I've seen some of the best modeling that you'll ever see in one room at one time off from a nationals. So the actual contest part of a contest to me really, now I'll compete, I'll enter uh, among other things because, you know, other people are, are coming and they're, they're putting themselves out there and they're entering and, if I get the pleasure of getting to see what other people have built, I, I need to step up and enter so that I'm participating as well. But you know what? Uh, I've, I've never, and this may be just personal or attitudinal, the actual contest and the results. Yeah. It's nice when you win something that's great. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the smallest part of the model contest experience to me. Yeah. I think I kind of feel that way too. And well, we certainly haven't solved it here tonight, but darn, that's our two cents anyway, for whatever it's worth. Now we're going to have to, we're going to have to solve which scale is the better scale. You know, (laughs) we solve one, two, three versus uh, GSB, you know, what else is there left to solve? But, uh, but uh, the perfect scale. 72nd. I figured you'd say that. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, if we've exhausted that subject, uh, we're coming up to the end here. What, what's your shout out or shout outs for the month? 
my shout out this this episode is to all those listeners who have become more actively engaged with us. Uh, you know, we get a fair amount of listener mail and we appreciate all of it, but uh, a few folks have taken it a bit further, either via email or social media. A few of those who come to mind are uh, Ian McCauley and uh, Mark Box and Tony Jacob, just to name, mm-hmm. name, name three. There's, there's a few more, but those are the ones that I, I come up with off the top of my head. Um, you forgot Luftrom. Yes, but we don't know his real name. I know. <laughs> honest feedback uh, a lot of topic and content suggestions uh, i just say please keep it coming because it helps us keep content on the horizon and it improves uh, my production of this podcast and uh, helps solidify some future content ideas that we have in the works so we appreciate that guys thank you absolutely i'll second that i've got two shout outs for the month uh, one, uh, you've previously mentioned, uh, Michael Libero, uh listened to my plea to join IPMS USA and followed through, and I can't tell you how much that means to me. I appreciate you doing that, and I don't think you'll regret it. And my second shout-out is to uh, uh, Mr. Goldfinch down in uh, Australia, because I'm sure if you listened to the last episode, you... you hear that he has finally seen the light and is building a uh, V2 rocket in the one true scale, God's one true scale, 72nd scale. So not only have I got you building in 72nd scale, I've got him building in 72nd scale and that's deserving of a shout out. So there you go. Well, I hope he picked a good V2. There's three or four out there, and some of them aren't very I'm nice. Ass- <laughs> I'm assuming I sent him pictures of the special armor, special hobby one that I built, which is a very good kit. But I'm assuming that he's probably picked up the TACOM kit, which is the the most current, the most recently released uh, 72nd scale V2. So uh, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm suspecting that's the one he's going to build. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. I think it does, Mike. All right. Well, Dave, so many kits. So little time. See you next time. We'll see you next time. You got it.